Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Without any further ado, please put your hands together for Andrea Portis. Hi, everybody. Um, Thanks for coming. I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you all for coming. I know there's a zillion, trillion things to do. Um, so I'm happy that and grateful that you've all come out. Um, so I'm just going to tell you sort of how I'm going to do this. I'm going to read um, the um, sort of what I call the overture, which in the book is in italics. It's a little more poetic than the rest of the novel, which is a little more conversational. And then I'll end with that. Um, and the reason why it exists is because something happens in the novel which is uh, sort of traumatizing, but I, I don't want to give that away. I don't want to tell you what that is. So uh, we'll start that. And then the one other thing is that the first chapter chapter that I read in the normal voice of the book is um, there's something in it that's a little bit X-rated, a little bit blue, so if you're religious, just cover your ears or pray for my soul or something. (laughs) So here's the overture. Pedaling fast, 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 this is the moment. One of those movie moments you never think is going to happen to you, but then it happens to you, and now it's here. Pedaling fast, 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 this is my only chance to stop it. This is the place where it looks like everything is going to go horribly wrong and there's no hope. But then because it's a movie, there is hope after all and there is a surprise that changes everything and everyone breathes a sigh of relief and everybody gets to go home and feel good about themselves and maybe fall asleep in the car. Pedaling fast, 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 this is the moment. This is the moment I get to remember for the rest of my nights and my days and my looking at the ceiling. Over that hill and down the next, through these trees and past the school. Pedaling fast, 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 this is the moment. By the time I get there, you can see the lights going. Blue, red, white, blue, red, white, blue, red, white, little circles diced up in sirens, and you think you can stop it. But of course you can't. How could you ever think you could? Pedaling fast, 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 this is the moment. This is the moment, and it's too late. Okay, so now we're changing our voice a little bit here. You're never going to believe what happened. Let's just start from the beginning. Logan McDonough's dad bought him a moped. That was the first thing. Let's say Logan had showed up first thing, first day of school, 10th grade, at Pound High School, Lincoln, Nebraska, having never, ever set foot here before, on his black moped, in his black mod outfit, with his black mod haircut. He would have been a hit. Even Becky Vilhauer, a.k.a. number one most popular girl in the school, a.k.a. Darth Vader, would have swooned. But he had been here before, in ninth grade, when he was a nerd. Vilhauer, when she scoffs at him on his, wait, hold on, something weird happened here, when he was a nerd. 
so you can see how his actions were totally illegal. You can't just decide somewhere between May and August that you're going to change your whole identity, jump from geek to cool kid, get a jet black haircut, peg your jet black jeans, lose 20 pounds, and drive a Vespa. No way. That is totally against the rules, and everybody knows it. The audacity. Becky Wilhauer is not having it. I know, because she was right there next to me when he pulled up to school, and you should have seen her jaw drop. She was pissed. If you're wondering what I was doing standing right there next to Becky, a.k.a. the dark side of the force, it's because I am number three in the pecking order around here. I have no hope for rising above my station, and I will explain why later. But number three is where I will always be, and as I am constantly reminded, I am lucky to be here. Between number one and number three is Shelley Schroeder, number two. She's my best friend, even though she's kind of a slut. She told me something I immediately wanted to unhear, and now I'm going to tell you too, and you will immediately want to unhear it. She makes out and even does the old in and out with high school rockers, like a lot. One time she told me Rusty Beck told her she has the biggest pussy he ever fucked. Yep, try to unhear that. No sorry, you can't. By the way, she told me this like it was a compliment. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I'm pretty sure that wasn't going to get her a date to the prom. <laughs> I like Shelly, but it's kind of weird how she draws on her eyeliner. She kind of just circles both her eyes so that so you just get these two black almonds staring at you all the time, imploringly. There's definitely something about Shelly's look that makes you feel like you're always supposed to help her out in some way. I guess that's why those rocker guys are always helping her out of her clothes. Okay, so the reason why I'm number three and can never even hope to dream of being number one or number, or number two or number one is because my dad is Romanian and looks like Count Chocula. Seriously. He looks like a vampire. Never mind that we never see him and that he lives half the time in Princeton and half the time in Romania. That doesn't matter. All that matters is that he left me with a weird last name, Dragomir. And to seal the deal, an even weirder first name, Annika. Annika Dragomir. So, you see, there is no hope. You try going to a school of Jennies and Sherry's and Julie's with a name like Annika Dragomir. Go ahead, I dare you. But right now, that's not the story. Right now, no one can believe how Logan drives up to the front school steps like a total baller. And even better, he doesn't even acknowledge Becky Wilhauer when she scoffs at him on his new moped. So what, now he's a nerd on wheels? And this is what's so weird about the whole thing. Even Shelley notices, which she tells me later on, are endless, seriously endless, like we should be put in Child Protective Services' endless walk home from school. Logan doesn't notice what Becky says because he's not even looking at Becky, and he's not looking at Shelley either. No, no. Logan McDonough, nerdball turned goth romance hero, is looking directly and only at me. Okay, so, so here we go. Okay, so here we go on into the book. Um, now she's sort of having a secret romance with Logan, even though he's a nerd. Okay, so 
It's one of those dumb days where nothing's really wrong, but nothing's really right either, and the sky can't even choose to be white or gray. It's a Monday, of course, which also makes everything stupid. And I don't know why, but I just have this feeling of dread or depression or some other word that starts with a D that makes you want to just crawl back in bed and pull your pillow over your head. There are some positives. For instance, I have managed to avoid Becky all morning. Also, I got an A on my biology test. And, according to the cafeteria menu, there will be cupcakes. But other than that, the whole thing is just drab and pointless. Also, Logan doesn't pass by at his usual time for us to pretend we totally don't know each other and aren't secret spies who are madly in love or something. Kind of annoying. Right now I'm in the, right now I'm in the only cool room in the school, which is where we have art class. They built this annex way after they built the school with someone who actually seemed to care about what things look like, like natural light, the way the ceiling slopes, and generally creating an environment where a bunch of artistic teenagers wouldn't want to throw themselves off the nearest bridge. To their credit, it worked. You do get the feeling when you walk in the room that something vaguely interesting could possibly happen here. But that also might be because our teacher is stoned. Did you know there's something called marijuana? Yeah, you smoke it, and all of a sudden you grow long hair, eat Cheetos, and listen to Pink Floyd till your mother knocks on the door to tell you to clean your room, or at least wash your hair, or possibly consider doing something with your life. There's no question in my mind that stoner art teacher had other plans. I know I should probably know his name by now, but I can't remember his name, and that is probably because he can't remember his name. <laughs> I bet he thought when he grew up, he'd be riding a motorcycle across the country like Che Guevara or Jack Kerouac or something, but so far his stoner habit has only led him to teach a bunch of sulky teenagers how to paint trees. That's what the 60s were for, I think, to turn everybody into losers. Also, to make sure everybody wore socks with sandals. Whenever old people tell you, you had to be there and the 60s were groovy or whatever, just listen to the words of my mother. Oh, honey, most of those people were just idiots. Sheep, following along, remember that. Whenever you see everybody clamoring in one direction, do yourself a favor. Go the other. But right now, we're in class, learning about legendary pop art icon, Andy Warhol. I am creating a masterpiece involving a series of identical ice cream cones in a perfect pattern with different ice cream cone colors. Stoner art teacher is impressed, so it is clear I will be running off to New York after graduation in a beret. All this hot art action is brought to a screeching halt by the fact that the fire alarm goes off and next thing you know, we're all scuttling out the door. Outside on the lawn, we're the only class huddled together because our little architectural outpost is set off from the rest of the school. It's freezing, but everybody seems elated by the novelty of being outside. Outside! In the middle of the day! Never mind that we were just outside, like two hours ago. After about 15 minutes of elation leading to amusement, leading to boredom, we are dutifully hustled back in and there, and there is really nothing to report. Except, remember my ice cream pop art I was telling you about? Well, that's been replaced. Well, it hasn't been replaced actually, just set aside for a greater work. I know, you're dying to know what it is. You and everybody else in the class, including stoner art teacher, who I do believe is freshly stoned. This is what is currently gracing my easel. Imagine, if you will, a painting made of white, oil, glass, mirror shards, more glass, more white, even some newspaper and magazine scraps painted over white. All of this stuff 
is on the canvas. And so when you first look at it, it kind of just looks like a, like a bunch of white stuff that catches the light and sparkles and is sort of kind of dazzling. But then look closer. Now you see what the picture actually makes. The shards and the glass and the painted newspaper and the oil all come together to make an image, a very faint image of a girl, of a girl with jagged cheekbones and a square boy jaw and purple raccoon eyes with white blonde hair and gray blue eyes who looks kinda sorta like, it's you! It comes out of the stoner section of the mob. Hey, Annika, that's you! It totally is. Did you make that? And now everybody is looking at me and now I'm just shaking my head. I mean, what am I supposed to say, number one? I'm not that talented. And number two, yeah, I just made that when we were all standing outside together freezing our faces off with my mind. Now comes stoner art teacher. Hmm, this is actually kind of in, wait, wait, I gotta do stoner art. Hmm, this is actually kind of interesting. <laughs> Mixed media, monochromatic, yeah, there's definitely something here almost frenetic about it. Kind of like Jean Dubuffet. Wow, I guess stoner art teacher actually read some books along the way between bong heads. And now he turns to me. Well, Annika, looks like you've got yourself a secret admirer. A very talented one at that. I say a little silent prayer in which I thank God Becky's not here. If she were, there would be a swift and immediate punishment, both for being the subject of this tribute and for the tribute being, I'm certain, made of trash in Becky's eyes. But it isn't trash, and when I think of the diabolical way in which the author ensured its delivery, I feel that magic in the air. Electric, like there is a live wire nearby. No one knows the artist's name, but I know the artist's name. I smile. Logan. Okay, so moving on to more normal stuff. My dad always calls it like 7 a.m. because half the time he's in Romania and the timing over there is something like 8,000 hours ahead. So it's night for him and way too early for me. Top this off with it's always a lecture and you have an all-day ruiner right there. What is this I hear about a B in physical education? <laughs> I don't know, it's just, that is a ridiculous class, but nevertheless, it will count on your transcripts. Well, it's just, Dad, listen to me. I do not intend to raise a daughter who ends up barefoot and pregnant, living in Nebraska of all places. Besides that, you would be miserable if that were your fate. I know, it's just, the reason to get good grades is so that you will go to an elite East Coast college where you will increase your social capital by networking with people whose parents are not construction workers. <laughs> I know. Do you want to end up like your mother? The 162 IQ and nothing to show for it? 162, can you believe it? And look at her, where she is. Is that what you want? No, dad. Okay, so here's what you do. You find that insignificant physical education teacher after class. You ask him for advice. People like to feel important. This will make him feel important. Okay? Then you follow his advice to the letter. Every detail his advice. Apply yourself. And then at the end, when you have improved, you appear grateful and thank him for his words of wisdom. He will give you an A, trust me, because you will have made him feel like his $17,000 a year job actually matters. You understand me? Yes, good, now put your brother on the phone. 
walking up back into my room, I could now hear my brother pleading for his case. Yes, dad, I got a 98%, but I did the extra credit, so that makes it a 99%. No, he doesn't give 100% to anyone, dad. I am the top of the class. Yes, 99% is the top grade. I am the first. <laughs> I wonder if my father knows how terrified we are of these 7 a.m. phone calls from Romania. I mean, in a way, you have to wonder why my mother even puts us on the phone. I wish she'd just relay the message so we wouldn't have to start the day getting freaked out and shivering into our cornflakes. It's like two hours before my heart stops pounding every time. By the time I get to fourth period, aka gym class, the al I've almost freed myself from the shackles of this fear and loathing. But Mr. Duchesne walks in. Yes, that's his name. Can you believe it? Douchebag. Douche nozzle. Douche face. He's been called them all. Mr. Duchesne. Behind his back. He's in great shape for an old guy. But the funny thing is, he always wears red, short, dolphin shorts. Like, really short. You can practically see his you-know-what sticking out the front of his dumb, slutty shorts. What a freak. <laughs> you definitely get the feeling this guy thinks he's like God's gift to mankind and womankind. I'm serious. He acts like he just happens to be some Greek god in short shorts set down temporarily to teach us teenage nuisances the importance of the 50-yard dash. The problem and the reason I'm getting a B is I don't buy it. But now, according to my vampire father, I have to pretend to buy it. Hook, line, and sinker. How embarrassing. I gotta go talk to Mr. Douche Nozzle. Shelley takes this class with me. Thank God. At least we can sit in the back giggling during Mr. Short Short's monologues about team spirit or whatever the hell he's talking about. What? Why? My dad says I have to. The ogre or the vampire? The vampire. Oh. Even Shelley knows that's serious. Do you think I should do it now? I don't know. His shorts look pretty short today. <laughs> what if his wiener sticks out and tries to bite you? Gross! Do you think he has a girlfriend, by the way? Yeah, and her name is Rosie Palm. Okay, fine. Here goes. The last thing I want to do is talk to this guy. But what are you going to do? If I, don't, if I don't, I'll end up barefoot and pregnant and living in a trailer park with a guy named Cletus. His office has glass around it, stuck right behind the gem. He's doing something with laminated charts and looking vaguely confused. Um, Mr. Duchesne? He doesn't hear me. Mr. Duchesne, can I talk to you for a minute? What? Oh, hi. Yes, what can I do for you? Mm, he can't remember my name. Annika. My name's Annika. Right, right, I knew that. So what can I do for you, Annika? Well, I wanted to talk to you about my quarter report. I got a B. Yes? Well, I'm just wondering what advice you could give me, seeing that you're considered, like, one of the most inspiring teachers and all. And I'm just wondering, like, what advice you can give me to get better and, you know, get an A. It's not about A's and B's. Mr. Duchesne, I've never gotten a B before in my life. I'm not allowed, okay? I see. And I just want to ask you what I can do to improve myself here in PE. And I'm really just looking for some advice from someone who really seems to have it all figured out. <laughs> all figured out? Who says that? What am I turning into over here? Okay. Okay, Annika. You have to apply yourself. You have to think when it's hopeless, when you're getting tired. In the 600-yard dash, you have to give it a nice, you have to give it more. 
not 100%. You have to give it 110%. <laughs> See what I mean? What an idiot. I could get that kind of advice from a Nike commercial. Yes, yes, Mr. Duchesne, I do. I really want to thank you for that. It really, it really means a lot to me. He nods, making a reassuring but stern face. A guy face. A jock face. Also used by politicians, I've noticed. It says, this is how it's done. And we can do it. Guys are so full of shit. Okay, back to Shelley. She looks at me. Well, what did he say? He said his wiener wants to meet you. Okay, so now we're getting into more of the serious stuff. And this will be the last. And then we can all relax. Pedaling fast, fast, fast. This is the moment. This is the moment I'm getting closer and everything is still. Everything is still and everything. The trees, the leaves, the sidewalk. Everything is holding its breath, waiting. Pedaling fast, fast, fast. The trees are leaning in, trying to protect me, trying to grab me, trying to keep me from seeing. The leaves on the sidewalk whooshing by, whispering to each other, don't let her see, don't let her see, don't let her see. The stop sign's practically begging me, stop, go back, go home. Just go home. Pedaling fast, fast, fast. This is the last moment I get to be this person. This is the last moment before everything changes from pink to purple to black and nothing is ever the same. Nothing is ever the same again. Okay, so this is the part where I open the uh, floor to questions, and um, I really do want to encourage people to ask questions because it's so much nicer to have a conversation than to just be talking. <laughs> so, who's first? Please, someone ask something. I'll ask yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. Of course. Um, I asked you if uh, characters were based on um, your real life. Yes, so this is the thing that um, I don't want to say too much without giving it away. Some of you know because it's sort of been a public thing. and um, So uh, this, this story is based on on my life and this character and I didn't want to give too much away but something with all these like high school shenanigans something happens that sort of ends up being bigger picture kind of things and it's a it's a big incident I don't want to say what it is but it's uh, it's sort of like where all of this kind of fun hilarious stuff kind of it's sort of like the rubber meets the road and then all of a sudden the things that are important in the world kind of you know, rise up. Yes, right there. Hi. Um, first of all, I love your book. Oh, thank you. And um, the thing that I want to ask you is about the theme. Is there one particular theme that kind of unifies the story to you or most um, speaks to you as far as honest stories goes? Well, I mean, I think that 
you know, Annika spends so much time being ashamed of who she is. She's ashamed that she's, you know, Romanian, half Romanian, you know, Becky calls her an immigrant and a half-breed, and she's ashamed to have the love that she has for Logan, and she's hiding it. And I think that, um, and she's also basically wasting her life caring about what other people think and living in this kind of cage that she made herself. Or, you know, it's it, we all do it, but I'm saying it's an imaginary cage. She doesn't have to live this way. And it takes this moment for her to realize none of that stuff matters. And, that, and basically to live in the moment and be in the moment because everything can go away, you know, just like that. Anyone else? Please, someone ask a question. <laughs> yes, Joel. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> With the right director. Okay, who else? <laughs> who else? Someone has to say something. Yes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wrote, you know, Hick and Bury This, and those were literary fiction, but frankly, this story, which I had really wanted to tell for a long time, and I just, I sort of didn't know how to tell it. I, I really didn't know how to tell the story. And then, you know, I wrote Hick, which I really needed to write, and I was obsessed with Bury This, I needed to write that. And then at that time, it just started to come to me that, uh, you know, this was what I needed to write and then it seemed like the form fit the content, you know, it, was, it wasn't like, I know a lot of people want to write YAs right now, they think, oh, that's, that's what's the thing, but honestly, this was really like, this is the best way to tell this story in this, in this voice from this girl. Um, and um, then something happened while I was writing the book in December um, of, um, I can't remember what, I think it was 2013, uh, no, 2012 maybe, uh, Sandy Hook happened. And I thought, wow, I really, really have to tell this story just the exact way that it happened, which I was not thinking that I would do because I was thinking, um, you know, this is too weird a thing, this tragedy that happened, it's too weird a thing to talk about uh, in a YA. YA is supposed to be like fr frilly is what I was thinking. And then I thought, no, no, this is, this is, the, I'm going to just write what happened and damn the torpedoes kind of thing. Yes, back there. Uh, no, they haven't. I mean, the book just came out yesterday. Um, I'm a little concerned about that, actually, so especially some of the people in my family. But um, luckily, my dad, who this character is based on, never reads anything I write, so that's fine. And then, um, and but but I do feel a little bit worried about other people. My mom comes across really well because she's a total sweetheart, and my brother. But you know. You know, I also feel like that thing, sort of like, if you don't want people to write bad things to you, about you, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah? The complication of the character's name, does that have 
Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up in Nebraska, I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I still am half Cuban. My dad is from Havana. Um, and uh, it seems weird now because things have changed a little bit, but um, not to date myself, but um, Nebraska is probably the last place to do anything liberal ever. And it was just to be half Cuban there, even though I had, even though you couldn't look at me and say, oh, Look at that cute. Like you, you, no one could tell. But then, when they would find out, it was this weird thing that I would. I mean, I was called every slur in the book. And my best friend, sixth grade, Michelle McQuiston, her dad was a construction worker, and he found out that I was Cuban, or half Cuban, or whatever, and he banned my best friend from being friends with me. And it was really very painful because I loved her. We had so much fun together. We watched the first video together. Like, we were best friends. Yeah? Were you doing any writing at the age at which you're talking about in this character voice? I was writing really bad things when I was growing up about like how the Russians were going to get us because you know it was like all like Red Dawn and it was before the wall came down like when I was like six it was like oh my god I hope the Russians love their children so everything was about like you know dying and I was like eight like I was like we're all going to die. Is that just a result of your environment? Like no, I think it was, well, I think it was a combination of... Nebraska's like another country to people who grew up in L.A., like myself. Right. Nebraska, what? I mean, right. it seems like every state in the Midwest has, like, its enclave. Right. You know what I mean? Where the oddballs and artists and so on, people go and then occasionally, like, vanish to places like New York or L.A., right? Well, Lincoln was pretty, uh, it was pretty much of a, a, I mean, it's a very red state. But um, Lincoln is the most, Nebraska is red. Lincoln's a little bit more blue because there's a college there, but it's still pretty. Um, like you still have relatives who say racist things at Thanksgiving. Like it's just, that's the place that it is. Um, and like when, if you defend, if you say like, that's wrong, you're, you're the freak. Well, what are like the bands and stuff? Like what, is, is that Lincoln too? Is that to be the capital city where there are buildings and sidewalks and not just dirt and No, there's building and sidewalks. We but where we grew up it was sort of like at the end of the buildings and sidewalks, literally. Like it was like here was where the bus went and then there was one block over and there was a farm. It was a farmhouse and we at the time we lived in, in that and then uh, someone actually bought that giant piece of land, which was horrible because we loved it, and they turned it into a blockbuster mall, and we moved to the suburbs. <laughs> it's horrible, <laughs> but I was like, I I've never been more happy than when Blockbuster went out of business. <laughs> Anyone else, please? Yes, Jack. Okay. Yes, I do. Because I got, I sort of got a book deal from HarperCollins. So I, I'm writing another YA, which is called Rich Kids, which is when uh, a girl from Nebraska goes east and is all of a sudden around a bunch of East Coast prep school kids. And then um, 
And then also I'm writing a literary fiction called Roughneck, which is about, I don't know if you guys know the big oil boom in North Dakota. The, there's like a huge oil boom in North Dakota and it's kind of the wild west over there. So I'm kind of fascinated in writing something uh, there right now. So I'm writing those two things right now. Hi. Thank you. Oh my God! Are you okay? Is yeah. there, uh, someone get this woman the chair. Sorry about that. What the? Sorry, Demetrius. What were you saying? <laughs> Talk or the possibility of even directing one. Oh, you're so bad. That is so funny. Well, you know, listen, who knows? I would never say never. It's just a little bit difficult to think about because um, I like creating worlds and I'm generally sort of a weirdo. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, someone else, someone else. Okay. What writers do you look up to? What? Well, my favorite is Joyce Carol Oates. I love her like crazy. I have a copy of, of Blonde uh, next to the bed, and if I'm ever sort of out of ideas, I go to that and, and just sort of learn from her. Also, this sounds really pretentious, but I also have a copy uh, Shakespeare, the you know complete works next to my bed. So, if I start to lose everything, I just go there and hope to get inspired. But I also, you know, love Edith Wharton and Kurt Vonnegut and Philip Roth. You know. Someone, someone, please. Anyone? Anyone? Does anyone else have a question, please? Yes? So the poetic voice that you were reading, um, I assume it evolved in the book or something? Yes, it does. There's a whole thing that happens. Unfortunately, I couldn't really share it because it's just, it's basically gives away the whole story. But, you know, I mean, my other books, Bury This um, and Hick, but particularly Bury This, are a little, you know, they're, they're more in that voice. You know, literary fiction is more sort of like uh, this sentence and in a way is a little more conversational. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller, bye, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's over here. friend, <laughs> Christy McAuliffe, who was your friend in high school, and her construction work, her dad, did you ever meet her at a uh, class reunion or something, you become friends with her again? Did you ever discuss that past? No, she has friended me on Facebook. Uh, also, best thing, the best person to friend me on Facebook was someone who put me in a garbage can senior year. <laughs> I was sort of like, wow, you're friending me. And I had, the, I had a moral dilemma. Am I going to be friends with this person? They put me in a garbage can. They traumatized me. But then I decided to be transcendent, and I <laughs> accepted it. Um, you back there, yeah. I was going to ask, like, so what is your, what's your system now? Because you've done it, it's not what you have so much going on with it, right? How do you, 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 how do you,
It's daunting. I mean, I every most people who know me here know that I have a four-year-old named Wyatt. So, you know, I get him to school, and then I go and I write, and then I write until I can't write anymore, and then I stop doing that, and then I waste time on the internet. <laughs> uh, last question, I guess. Anyone? Last question. No one. Someone has to ask one last question. No? Okay. What actors do you see see playing the role of any Oh my God. I have no I have no idea. I mean I really I, I don't. I don't. Could it be a young girl? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I'm just a writer, so those decisions never go to me. <laughs> Yes, definitely. I think that um, I would probably be a little more guarded about uh, whatever the director decided to do. Like, I think I would fight a little harder for my script. I mean, with Hick, it's like that was my script, and I loved that script, and that's where we got all that talent. And then, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, a writer. On a, on a set or a writer in a movie. They just, no one really cares. But, you know, there are ways to be, you know, a little bit more defensive of your work. And I think that I would do that this time because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, all these things happen when you're working on something. But at the end of the day, when the thing goes out there, no matter what someone has decided to do, no matter what someone has decided to leave out or put in or, or just throw away, your name is on it. And so that can be very frustrating when you feel like, no, but I did it. You know, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, but we have to end on a nicer note than that with the Q&A. That's just too depressing. Okay, okay. Well, I just think it's, it's a beautiful book. And when I read it, I read it so far. And your writing style is just amazing. I mean, from this book, it just, it comes out, it's just so fluid, and it's like, I love the speaking, just speaking out to the audience, and it, come out, it comes out so fluid that it just, it comes out so easy that it's, you're such a brilliant writer, yet it just, it reads so, it, you know what I mean? It makes you feel like, it's, you're one of those people that you're like, I can, I'm gonna, I want to do this. I want to pick up a pen. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. The, and that's, uh-huh. that's good. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right, well, let's end on that. That's it. <laughs> You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Young Jesus. You can check them out at youngjesus.bandcamp.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.